are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 235 and 236 of Fed by Ravens. We're doing it. We are talking through the entire Bible in a year following Mm. this wonderful reading program. That's on an app somewhere on the internet. Anyway, it's pretty awesome. Um, we've mentioned it before. That's not we're here. We're not here to do that today, Matt. So, okay, move on. Oh, okay. Um, so let's get to it. Yeah, play me in. Okay. Our Old Testament reading for today is 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 28 through chapter 23. Mm. What a great intro. Mm, I agree. Second Chronicles, you wouldn't have believed it if we'd said a couple weeks ago or maybe two months ago that uh, I'm talking to the people listening. You yeah. wouldn't have believed it if we said to you a couple months ago, you would really like the book of First and Second Chronicles. But if you've made it this far, I'm pretty sure you like this book. <laughs> it's cool how we change and how we grow as we uh, understand the story and the story of God. But really, we see ourselves in these stories even down to something as unrelatable as being a king of Judah or Israel, Mm. it becomes strangely relatable when you see themes like Judah's trying to, you know, bring the family back together. I'm going to save my good friend, my long-lost friend, king of Israel, only to find out I can't save him. And I'm compromising the whole nation (laughs) by introducing idolatry and uh, for the sake of me being a good person or something. really... Messing up the reign for my next, for my son. Yeah, yeah. It really leaves a legacy of death and destruction. So this is where we're at. All right, so last episode. Jumping Jehoshaphat. Yeah, Jehoshaphat was with Ahab. Ahab had convinced him to go to war with him. They, Jehoshaphat had to include a prophet of the Lord. The prophet of the Lord gets imprisoned for his message of, Hey, yeah, God's not with you guys. Thanks, Jehoshaphat. Yeah. And uh, so that's where it ended of this prophecy of you will go to this battle and Ahab, you will die. So we get to the battle. Ahab, hearing this prophecy, takes it somewhat seriously and is like, yeah. hey, uh, here's a plan, Jehoshaphat. Yeah. I'm, I'm Let's going... pretend it's you and me. I'm... You be Ahab. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, I'm going to disguise myself to what? look like... Why? Because you heard the whole Micaiah thing. I don't want it to be true. And you don't want it to be true. true. You're right. You're right. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disguise myself as just any other soldier. Cool. And I'll be in my royal robes on yeah. a chariot yeah. just sitting there. Yeah. Oh, would you do that for me? That sounds great. Okay. I mean, I am a king and I would never give up my royal robes. I don't know what you're thinking, but I understand. You're scared about dying. Yeah. Cool. So now, fast forward into the war. Um, and now I'm sitting on the chariot going, uh, Ahab, I'm not Ahab, I'm not Ahab, it's not me, I'm Jehoshaphat. Because all the other, the bad dudes are starting to kill the person who looks like the king. Yes. But they see that's not Ahab, so they want nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're over sulking or, yeah, you're like trying to fit in as just a normal guy. Hi-ho, hi-ho. And a Sorry. random, yeah, and a random hunter, like a random dude on the other side just shoots an arrow lodging itself into your armor, killing Ahab, killing you. Yeah. But, so what do we do with a bad, horrible king of Israel? We prop him up 
on the chariot for the rest of the day. Not only is it a metaphor for the dead propped up king of Israel, but he literally is propped up and dead as a symbol of our king is here. Keep fighting. Yeah, keep fighting. <laughs> like, keep fighting for the dead king of Israel. Yeah. Yeah, and as a result, uh, Jehoshaphat gets out of this, but, you know, he sustains some um, some bad things. Yeah, so, so I do want to mention, so Jehoshaphat had right. connected himself to the family of Ahab by marrying his son to Ahab's daughter. Again. So that's how the family is connected right now, which is not great. Well, so, come on, we want to we want to unite Israel and Judah together. We should get married. <laughs> no, bad no, idea. Bad. So if you remember, because you marry a family when you uh, marry somebody. Hanani, the prophet, he was imprisoned by Asa for giving Asa some bad news. Right. Well, his son, it comes on the scene as the next prophet, and shows up to Jehoshaphat and says, "Hey, uh, the Lord's pretty upset that you." Uh, Connected yourself to Ahab. Yeah. And Why are you helping the wicked? Yeah. Why do you keep helping my kids who are in, they're in timeout, and you keep telling them to come out of timeout. They need to repent and come back to me. Stop trying to work with them. So Jumping he, Jehoshaphat. So he does give this like kind of nebulous, the wrath of the Lord has gone out right. because of this. And I don't, it doesn't really seem that Jehoshaphat really sees this in his lifetime. Because he does seem to like kind of double down and really try to be like, no, I'm sticking to these reforms. I really want the Lord to be worshipped yeah. properly among the people. And uh, he continues to send out uh, Levites and assign people to go out and tell the word among the people and train them up in the way of the Lord. Well, that's what you see. The thing I'm recognizing with Jehoshaphat, he really understands... And he might be one of the first leaders of uh, Judah who really understands the two kingdoms. Actually, no, I take that back. Solomon understood it. David understood it. There's two kingdoms at play when you are under the living God of the universe. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of this world, which requires laws and punishment and judgment and and order and structures to think. Like, this is how you build the temple. This is how you fight. And then there's the kingdom of the Lord, which is all about grace and mercy mm-hmm. and repentance and receiving forgiveness and, and being blessed. And so you do see Jehoshaphat operating under the two kingdoms and the place where they meet is he uses the structures and uses his power to teach people and to uh, re-covenant with the Lord, kind of, so to speak. So another big moment during his reign was in uh, chapter 20 yeah. where the Moabites and the Ammonites rise up against Jehoshaphat and they clearly have way more men than he does, and they are coming up against him. And Jehoshaphat stands in front of the assembly of Judah in the house of the Lord and prays out to God for uh, deliverance. And it's a classic prayer. It should Great. kind of guide our prayers even mm-hmm. in the sense that it remembers what God has done, yes. looks forward and asks for God to continue to do that again this time. Mm-hmm. And then I just love the ending because I often pray like this. I realize he says uh, in verse 12, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the name of today's uh, yeah, podcast, great. because uh, if you, this is a beautiful prayer. We don't know what to do. All we know is we're going to look to you. Yes. And we'll never be ashamed for looking to you, because you are the God who has saved us. You promised to save us. And we ask, will you save us? So it's a really nice prayer. And then God does it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, the Spirit of the Lord goes upon Jehaziel, 
mm-hmm. which, if I am understanding the geneal- genealogy correctly, yeah. he's the grandson of Benaniah, one of the mighty men. The guy who killed the the lion lion. in the pit on a snowy day? Yes. Barefoot? Yes. Uphill all the way to school? Yeah. That guy? Yeah. Well, I just love, that's really cool, but I think it's really cool that the Spirit of the Lord is moving Mm -hmm. on people throughout the whole story. Do not believe the hype that the Spirit of God just showed up at Pentecost. He showed up in a very big way Mm -hmm. at Pentecost and in a way that was going to be promised and we can access, but he's been present in the life of God's people from the beginning, since creation. Yeah, so he uh, is caught up in the Spirit of the Lord, prophesies, says, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, uh, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And yeah. he says, You will not have to fight this one. God will fight for you. Just show up and watch God work. I love that. And so then, what I love is Jehoshaphat's uh, response then is to set up the singers, the mm-hmm. Levitical singers, to march in front of the army and to march up and meet their foes and sing a, a praise to the Lord, which is give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Yeah. that's the, I mean, that's the reoccurring song and prayer. Mm-hmm. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. What? This is the Old Testament. I thought God was angry all the time. Right. I thought people were always upset and sad. No, we're recognizing his steadfast love, and he fights for, I just love the idea of, what are you fighting right now? Wouldn't it be nice to just say, Lord, will you fight for me on this one? Because you know you have that right. Mm-hmm. You can ask him, say, Lord, will you fight for me? And he's like, yeah, I'll fight for you. Yeah. I love you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk away from a fight that concerns you. Let me fight for you. Yeah, so he's, he sends uh, the enemies into confusion, and they end up fighting and killing each other. And so by the time Judah actually shows up to the battle, they look out and everyone's dead and there's just their plunder is just sitting there. And they just walk in and they're like four they're like four days of just plundering what's left over from this army that killed itself. That's what's uh God exchanges, right? We exchange. Mm-hmm. So Judah had been plundered. When they trust the Lord, they do the plundering. Right. And the Lord fights the battles. And over and over again in the scriptures, I mean, what's this the third or fourth time we've seen God confuse an army and just have them destroy themselves? Yeah. Like if you had that card in a game, you're a board game guy. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be like one of the best cards you could have in some kind of, I uh, don't know, yeah. risk game or yeah. something? Like it's a very rare card where play this card and your opponent are sent into confusion and wiped out, and yes. they have to go back to the beginning. I know. That's great. Yeah. That's a pretty handy uh, God's, superpower. God's doing that. And then uh, the line, though, it's very kind of low-key, but it says, So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. I know. Quietness and rest. There's Sabbath rest for those who trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he fights our battles for us. It's uh, an invitation to a pretty amazing life. So how does Jehoshaphat, how does he end? Does he end strong? I mean, yes in ways and no in others. So uh, he, again, his weak spot is the family tied to Ahab. And so he, after Ahab dies, he makes an alliance with Ahab's son, uh, Ahaziah, and... They tr- he tries to reestablish the shipping venture that Solomon had started 
sending uh, ships to Tarshish to get, like, good stuff to Spain. And uh, the prophet, Eliezer, comes up and says, look, the Lord's not cool with you working with Ahab's family. So uh, this venture is not going to work. So Jehoshaphat, at the end, loses these ships. Yeah, but that's about... It's it's okay. Because he loved the Lord so much and Mm -hmm. he did so much good, that's still tragic and awful and there was death... And it was a bad decision, but he doesn't go to... He goes down as a good king. Yes, and so he kind of goes down as a good king. And he ruled for 25 years. Next comes... Jehoram, his son, and this is the one who's married to Ahab's daughter. Super bad guy. He rules for eight years. And what do you do when you're a bad king? The first thing you do, my first day in office, I would like to gather all my brothers Mm -hmm. and all my sisters... And everybody who is in line to inherit the throne after me, I'm glad you're all here. I'd like to kill you now. Yes. And he kills all the people who are a threat to his power and throne. Yes. It's amazing. And that's not the first time we've seen this. We've seen this several times, Mm -hmm. going as far back as like one of the second judges. Remember? Uh, The son of uh, Gideon. Gideon, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this is a a, a historic kingly power move to wipe out what uh, your dad has worked so hard to establish, that the line would never be wiped out. So nonetheless, though, God has mercy because of the promise to David. Like, for Mm -hmm. the sake of David, he will not wipe out the bad kings of Judah. But he does send his prophets. Yeah, and I mean, he, the land is not quiet. No. During the reign, the eight years of Jehoram, we have Edom revolts. We have... Uh, Philistines, Arabians, Philistines. Ethiopians. Yes. They all turn, man. They all turn and come at him. And then... Uh, but Elijah writes a letter to him. Elijah. It's The so great cool. prophet Elijah from the north, who's dealing mostly with the northern side, actually writes a letter to the king of Judah as like a, hey, heads up. Yeah. And I, I, I think you know he why. does because he is in the line of Ahab. Yes. Because he's... In the connected. It's, it's, yeah, they're all interconnected. So he's there. like, you know what? You are now under my purview. So right. here's a rebuke from the Lord. <laughs> and he light your intestines are gonna yes. fall out. He says you're gonna have okay. So there's a plague, and the plague should tell a king of God's people things are not right with God. Right. But then also you're gonna get a little special extra. You're gonna get like this complete diseased bowel mm-hmm. syndrome to the point where your bowels are just gonna fall out of you. Ugh. And that's not enough Woof. to make uh, Jehoram repent. No. And so basically, it all comes... <laughs> he loses everything, including sons and daughters are stolen. Judah is like ransacked a little bit. Yes. And his bowels fall out, and no one cares. Yes, no one... Okay, he departed <laughs> and with no one's regret, and he's the first king that is not buried in the tombs of the king. So yeah. the, his own people are like, we... Do not like this guy. How is he even connected to David? Like he's barely, he's through. Um, no, he's connected. He's a I mean, descendant. Is he still? David. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Jehoram, because he's son of Jehoshaphat. So for them not to bury, Asa, yeah, bury no. him there it's is. It's a big statement. It's to say, you did nothing but bring evil on us. Because in eight years, usually the guys who bring evil have like an eight year period of wealth and prosperity mm-hmm. and then they screw it up. Yes. He just brought it in straight up screw up. Right. Okay. And Straight so, up, screw up. So he was not great. He had killed a bunch of his brothers. 
And then his youngest son, who was the only son left to him, uh, ends up setting up and inheriting the kingdom, but he is still under the rule of his mother. So, so Athalia, is... the daughter of Ahab. But wait, you're talking about... So after Jehoram, yeah. it's Ahaziah? Ahaziah. And he only rules for one year. Yes. So he got... But how did he get killed? He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, is what I remember. Yes, yes, yes. So um, Ahaziah, he, he also tries to team up with... Yes. The, Ahab, the, Joram. the grandson of Ahab, and he's pounding around with the grandson of Ahab, fighting battles. The grandson of Ahab gets hurt, he's wounded, and this is the time, if you can recall back to uh, we cannot, Kings, just tell us because I where uh, the Lord raises up a king in Israel named Jehu, who is the commander of the army. And he tells Jehu, wipe out all of Ahab's yeah. line. And so Jehu goes on kind of a killing spree. And uh, Ahaziah was visiting the grandson of Ahab. Yes. While Jehu was on his spree so, and got killed by Je- Jehu. So things are so kind of intertwined in their mm-hmm. effort to reunite Israel and Judah in their own strength. Yes. All they're doing is inter intermingling themselves to the point where there is no distinction. So when Jehu cleans house, the king of Judah happens to be up there and dies. Yes. He rules for one year. But Ahaziah, his mother is super evil. Yeah, so, okay, so I was trying to keep everything in line. So again, his mother, the daughter of Ahab, is still around. And her husband, she watched her husband kill all of his brothers and all the threats to the line. So what does she do the moment she hears her son's dead? Oh, she then goes and kills everyone else. But like including her children. Her own children, yeah. Her and own, her grandchildren. Her own grandchildren. Uh, she kills them all. Well, she has no children left because her yeah, son but, did that. But, but all of the grandchildren, anyone who's re- remotely related to the line of David, she starts wiping out except one who gets uh, hidden away by... Uh, the high priest. No, wait. It was, it was his sister, Ahaziah's sister. Ahaziah's sister took the baby. Yeah, yeah. Hit him, and then yeah, yeah Jehoiada yeah. raises she him. Gives, she gives him to Jehoiada. Uh, so, because she was married to Jehoiada. So what we're doing now is we're introducing little baby Joash, right? Yes. Little baby Joash is rescued from his grandma. Was going to kill him. Yes. Because she rules that she becomes like the evil queen mm-hmm. over Judah. She's For really eight years. She's actually connected to Ahab. Ahab yeah. And this is the first time. This is the reason this is a big deal, is that you have this queen. How do you say her name? Athelia. Uh, Athelia. Queen Athelia has no direct connection to David. Right. So for seven years, eight years. David's lineage is not on the throne. Right. We are in a desperate place. Yes. But there is hope. Yes. This little baby is hidden away, who is the rightful heir to the throne and actually connected to David's line. Mm-hmm. And that's where Jehoiada, the priest, raises him. And then at the end of, because we're just going through 23 today, right? Yeah. So, so Jehoiada, during the next uh, seven years, is like working with the Levites, kind of establishing this loyal, like establishing their loyalty to the proper king of Israel or yeah. Judah and getting their loyalty. He's strengthening 
them up. He's making sure they're all unified and understand what their goal is. And so at the end of seven years, they're finally ready to make a move on Queen, the evil queen. And they do. They, they announce uh, Joash, who's now seven. They announce him. He's the king. And then they go and kill Athelia to everyone's joy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, everybody was happy. And then Jehoiada makes a covenant between himself and all the people and the king that they should be the Lord's people. So, basically, Jehoiada is ruling for this seven-year-old and guiding yes. him, which is great. So, we have a, a almost a kingly priest. A priest king. Yes. Yeah. Who is now ruling and trying to reset and reform... Uh, Judah and remind everyone we serve the Lord Woo. that was a tough seven years though I mean imagine the, the idea for me though is that even when things look desperate and and uh, like it's done God brings things back to life mm-hmm. and he always has a way he always has a way there's something that he's using uh, for our benefit to keep the people of God thanks Lord all right, our New Testament passage for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35, through chapter 16, verse 4. One of the great chapters in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, remember it, because it's all about the central point of Christianity, resurrection. You get death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. They come together. And uh, Paul is essentially saying, and not even essentially, he's straight up saying, Resurrection is uh, the is, power of Christianity. Is real and is the whole point. Yes. And if it wasn't, if Christ wasn't resurrected, and if we are not resurrected through Christ, there's no good news to this religion. And so he says, because the question in a wise culture like the Greeks who highly prize mm-hmm. philosophy and thinking and metaphysics, he says, here's, here's the example. Um, you might say, what kind of body? How does this work? Yeah. I don't believe it. And he says, look um, look at the seeds. Yeah. He does two things with the seeds, I realize. He says, you know what kind of seed you're planting. Mm-hmm. First, look at how seeds work. Then look at what kind of seeds you're planting. So he goes, the idea of resurrection is not just some made-up, fanciful thing for us. It's all around you. Look right. at nature. You buy seeds, you bury it, you dig a hole, you put this little seed... Into the ground. You water it, let the, let the earth do its thing, and it will sprout up something new and produce fruit. Yes. And you will enjoy it. So that's your, there's, there's your proof that things are resurrected, mm-hmm. okay? And that we are the same. But there's also types of seeds. So if you want an apple tree, you have to get apple seeds. If you want a peach tree, you get peach seeds. He then goes on to go, you have the seed of Adam. The first Adam is the seeds of death yes and so if you plant that seed it will produce death there's also then there's the the seed that is from heaven it's the heavenly seed of jesus christ when you are by faith brought into jesus christ through baptism and faith and belief in the word of god and water and all the stuff that takes you will be you will produce an imperishable life mm-hmm. an everlasting life a new body you will sprout forward and you will resurrect do you understand Good. One is a life being from the earth. One is a life-giving spirit from heaven, talking about Jesus. We are born in the first Adam's image, so we all have that seed of dust, but we shall be born in Christ's image of heaven and resurrection. So I just love the idea 
that really hits me is in God's created order, he, our current existence is really depends on the choices God has on how things are going to work. And we can mm-hmm. look at nature and say, oh, this is how seeds work. And so even the way we're created, this is actually how it works. And, um, and even our eternal existence depends on his choice. Like he chose to save us and he gives us resurrection uh, into everlasting life. And so as seeds, we anticipate that. Like we, that's why we can anticipate we're going to rise again. Yeah. That this life is not all. I mean, look at something as basic as farming. Mm-hmm. You get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't really have anything... I mean, it's, to add on that, it's nailed it. I mean, there's so much straightforward, and he's just trying to go. Remember, our hope is in the resurrection, and it is real, and it will happen. Try not, don't stress about how it's going to work or what it looks like or what your new bodies are going to look like. Wrong question. Just right. know it's going to happen, and uh, and he's like. And he lands with, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could spend a long time on this passage, but uh, the, the idea of it is exactly what you said. I just love how, how practical the idea of resurrection becomes for Paul at the end. So yeah. at the end of this great treatise on the reality of resurrection, he goes, look, death is swallowed up in victory. Death no longer has the sting. So the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, it gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, yeah. and this is, this is where it comes down for you and me. Therefore, everything you're doing now is eternal. It yes, matters. It matters. It's not just going to be forgotten. You're not just going to go sleep and turn into dust and it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Without Christ... It will not last. Mm-hmm. With Christ, now you have intermingled. I mean, talking about, you know, don't mingle with, uh, with the northern king. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. we, we mingle with the king from heaven yes. and therefore receive the blessing of the king yeah. of heaven. And so that blessing is everything you do now, when you, you serve the Lord every time you kiss a baby, you help an old lady across the street, you pray, you trust the Lord, it will be remembered forever and ever and ever because there is a new creation Mm -hmm. and you're already a part of that now and if you get rid of that you might as well be a hedonist and just try to squeeze out what you can now because it doesn't matter and we get to be the people who announce it does matter yeah your labor is not in vain then we get into a little bit of the end of the letter where he's just kind of taking care of some practical issues he's right now on a tour to go around and uh collect money for uh the Christians in Jerusalem because there was a famine right. and they're, they're having a hard financial time. So he's trying to get the other churches that don't are, are, are not hurting right now right. to give the famine in Jerusalem, especially. So you're and, asking, and it makes sense too, thinking about the unity of yes. the church as a whole. And he's like, Hey, look, remember how I used the whole thing of the one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Right. Our, our brothers in Jerusalem are hurting. So let's give them aid. It's unity. It's also uh, they're Jewish members of the body. Yeah. So we're unifying the Greeks and the Jews, yeah. peace and, uh, and grace, shalom and grace to you. But then I was thinking how practical he gets. He's saying goodbye. He just talks about the thing you think is the least practical, which is, oh, yeah, we're going to rise from the dead one day. So what, what does that mean now? Right. Well, it means right now you can give away stuff. 
and you can help people in need and be loving because you know your inheritance is going to provide more than anything you can give up now. Yeah. So help be the body and love one another now. Mm-hmm. Help a brother out. That's what the that's what the uh, the belief and faith in the resurrection of all things will do in you. It'll help you and guide you and motivate you to live now as though you're actually an eternal person. <laughs> and and not and out of instead of out of scarcity, out of abundance. Boom. Boom. All right. All right, our psalm for today is Psalm chapter 102, verses 12 through 17. You, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. For your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.